Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truths. Don't have a postcard for you today, but I've got something even more interesting. This is a rock that was given to me by one of our precious young church members, Aubrey Rains. So Aubrey, if you're watching, thank you for this. Aubrey handed me this rock. She said, Pastor Skelly, I broke this rock in half, which I'm still kind of wondering about, but it is broken in half. Here's what she said. She said, it reminds me of when they, Jesus broke the bread. And it reminds me of how Jesus died on the cross for us. And I thought, that is so good. And I was reminded as I walked away about the, the faith of a child. Aubrey's five. She's going on. She'll be six in July. But uh, boy, Lord, give me that kind of heart for you, that even in the mundane little things of life, like a broken rock, I can see Jesus. And so, Aubrey, thank you for teaching us that lesson, and I'm going to hold on to this rock. I'm going to throw it over there for now. So, Aubrey, thank you. Uh, We are in Mark chapter 13. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn there, if you're following along, we're in the middle of a lesson in the book of Mark, called the Olivet Discourse, a time when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's looking across the Kidron Valley, a beautiful panoramic scene in front of him, and there are four of the disciples with him, and and, and the others probably as well, but the four that asked the question were Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And the question they asked had two parts to it. They want to know when, when... when, when will these things happen? Because Jesus has talked about the destruction of the temple so that they know that there are things that are going to that are gonna happen. This, this present system is going to break down. Uh, Messiah will come again one day. When? What, what, what are the indi- indicators of that? What, what, what are the signs of that? And Jesus is answering that. And in this answer, he has said, Hey, there's going to be false prophets that will come in my name. False Christs, don't believe them. Let truth guide you. Understand that just because someone says something or claims something, that's not necessarily true. Know that there's going to come great times of upheaval among nations and among kingdoms. There's going to come a time of physical calamity. Earthquakes will be prevalent and troublous times. And then also, he said, even you, even you as believers, you're going to be tried for your faith. And it it will be nations will not only turn against each other, but political systems and nations will turn against you. You will be hauled in before councils. You will be beaten. You're going to suffer. You're going to be martyred, some of you, for my name. Now, as we look at church history since the time of Jesus— Has that happened? It certainly has. Think about three of the four men that were there getting that question answered. So Peter, he was martyred. Andrew, he was martyred. James, he was the first of the the apostles 
other than Judas who committed suicide, James was beheaded by Herod, remember, with the sword, Acts chapter 12. Only John among those four did not suffer a martyr's death, but he was tortured. So certainly this was fulfilled very soon after Jesus made this prediction, but it has been being fulfilled now for 2,000 years. I read recently that there are 43 countries today that basically have outlawed Christianity, that take a uh, an adversarial view of Christians. And there are hundreds of thousands of Christians every year that are martyred for their faith that we never hear about. People in some of these Middle Eastern countries or in some of these African countries like the Sudan and places where we've read about horrible persecution. If you want to read more about that, I would encourage you to subscribe to a little magazine called The Voice of the Martyrs that detail some of the that details some of the horrific things that are happening you don't have to look at Fox's Book of Martyrs or look back to 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago. It's happening right now, just as Jesus predicted. So look, if you would, at verse number 11 again. So verse number 10, we ended, the gospel must first be published among all nations. So one of the signs or indicators that the this time has been fulfilled and Messiah is going to come back will be the gospel will have circumnavigated the world. And we have seen that as we study history, as we've looked at the gospel over the past 2,000 years, what have we seen? We've seen the steady progression of the gospel westward as it's made its way around the world. And now where do we see the greatest influence of the gospel? In the Far East, you know, in the house churches of China, in the revivals of the Philippines, we're seeing the gospel, is it's made its way around. Where do we see the deadness of Christianity? In places like Europe, uh, in the Western world, where we have entered almost a post-Christian era. So the gospel certainly has been preached and is being preached among all nations today. It's not to say that we don't have a job to do. We do. But the point is, in a systematic way, we see the gospel's progression. Look at verse number 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought. So Jesus now gives these disciples some advice about those times of arrest, those times of persecution. But he's not only speaking to them, is he? He's speaking to all disciples. He's speaking to all believers. Remember, the commission that he gave to these disciples is that they would teach all things whatsoever they were taught, that they would teach this to the next generation, and so on and so on. So the fact that we're reading this today, this is for us. The fact that Mark wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is for us today. This wasn't just for those four, but this is for us. So what does Jesus say to us? Well, it says here, when they shall lead you, and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but, but whatsoever shall be given to you in that hour, that speak ye. For it 
it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So what is Jesus saying? Well, first of all, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying, well, when you speak for the Lord, don't bother preparing. <laughs> I've, I've been in some sermons where I feel like somebody believed that. Well, I'm just going to let the Spirit move, and I'm just going to speak whatever the Lord wants me to speak. Usually those are not good messages. No, the Lord is not condemning preparation here. What he's saying is in situations where you couldn't have seen it coming, where you were persecuted or arrested or challenged for your faith in the moment, don't worry about it. If you're walking with the Lord and these things are happening against your will and you're being persecuted and you're being arrested and the Lord is going to use that and he's going to speak through your life and he's going to give you the words to say because the Holy Spirit is always going to provide where he guides. He's always going to do that. So trust him in those dark hours. That's what the Lord's driving at here. Verse number 14 or verse number 12. I need to get some glasses. Verse number 12. Now now the brother shall betray the brother to death. So, so profound will be the persecution among believers that it will even divide families. So brother will betray brother. Think about the the worst pain that you can feel is the pain of rejection, I think. I think the worst pain is one of rejection. Ironically, Jesus will feel this pain in just a couple of days as his brother in arms, Judas, will betray him with a kiss. A brother will betray brother to death. Wow. Then the Bible says, and the father, the son. Can you imagine a a father betraying his son? Uh, Look at verse number 12 again. And children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. There's coming a day when Christians will face not only intense physical abuse and martyrdom. I mean, all of these situations end in death, but they will face intense emotional pain as the death will be precipitated by the betrayal of a family member. So, wow, what what hard news to hear. And yet some of these disciples probably faced that very thing. We don't know much about Peter's life as far as his life outside of the Bible, but he had a mother-in-law. He was married. Did Peter's wife stay with him till the end? We don't know. Did he suffer this? Was Jesus preparing these disciples for the kinds of betrayal that they would face personally, perhaps? But certainly we have seen this down through the years. Look at verse number 13. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, this is a verse I think that has struck fear in some people. It's a verse that has been commonly misunderstood. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Does that mean in some way that when we trust Christ as our Savior, that we're saved by grace, but we got to hold on to it. We got to hold on to it. And if we 
try hard enough and we're faithful enough and we withstand persecution enough, then when it's all said and done, then God will save us. Now, that's not what that's teaching at all. The point here is that Jesus is, is indicating, because that's what they want. They want an indication. They want a sign. Jesus is indicating what will be the behavior of true believers and what will be the behavior of false believers. So those that just profess Christ will not endure these kinds of persecutions. They're going to cave under these kind of pressures. They're going to buckle when called before the council. They're going to side with their family over Christ. They don't want to deal with being rejected like I got saved and my Muslim family has now cast me out. No, I'm not willing willing to do that. I'm going to side with them. So what Jesus is showing is that those that abide under the suffering, those that are willing to go through this, those that ultimately do are those that are demonstrating the reality of a true faith. So the point is not that we work to keep our salvation. The, the point here is that those that have salvation are truly going to persevere. So those that endure to the end will enjoy that which they have, which is salvation. Of course, we know that salvation is far much more than just your profession of faith at the moment of understanding who Jesus is, understanding the gospel, being justified. We understand that salvation is that process culminating in God's salvation of all of us, body, soul, and spirit. So the point here is that those that endure to the end are those that demonstrate the fact that they have that real and bona fide faith in Jesus Christ. So much more I could say about that, but for sake of time, I can't. We're going to come back here next episode, and we'll talk a little bit about the prophecy of Daniel in verse number 14. Hope you'll join us for that. That brings some clarity to this as well. But don't have time today. We'll just cut off there right now. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.